0: Hey guys, it's Michael Miller. Thanks for tuning in to this week's installment of the Uproom Dallas podcast. We value you and the fact that you would listen to our messages each and every week. We take this very seriously and pray that these messages are conforming you into the image of Jesus. We love Him and want to see Him known and known by you. So, thanks for tuning in this week. Bob Hazlett is a friend of mine who has been a prophetic voice to the Upper room community now for uh, over a decade. He has shaped the vision of our family. He is the reason we planted in Denver and hopefully will plant in other cities soon. Just a very, very, very uh, tender man, loves the Lord. And uh, you'll be encouraged by this week's message. So thanks for dropping by. No, no, it's so cool. Hey, so good. Upper Room. Yeah. I feel like a WWE spirit in the place. Upper Room. So good to be back here. The last time I was here was the first Upper Room Conference, 2014. Is that right? Yeah, 14-ish. I was in this building before there's anything in here. That was cool. And I think it was, was it 2011? I was over in Fort Worth. Uh, with a guy named Todd White, uh, we used to. Todd White and I used to do these things called Schools of Power and Love. We did 76 of them over seven years, and we were in Fort Worth. And there was a group of 10 or 12 people from a little place called Upper Room, and they were just these crazy prayer warriors. And I stood them up and I said, "I feel like the Lord's going to make you a worldwide worship movement." So I, I don't know. Sometimes if you just believe what God says, the Bible says, "Open your mouth and I will fill it." Some people, you know, you're going to learn how to move in the prophetic um, this week with the school. I'm excited about that. How many of you school members are here? All right, let me give you a little spoiler. How to prophesy? Start talking. Eventually, God will say something smart. Open your mouth and God will fill it. So we're so excited to be here, and I feel so privileged this year, um, I've sort of the Lord's start of my year off, I've had a little bit of a year last year I had a motorcycle accident, so I took not just after, not just the shutdown, but after the shutdown, time off, and I didn't start traveling again until January, but the places where I've gone have been places that I've been before and have relationship with, and the Lord has been so good to remind me of the faithfulness of His Word, that His Word will never return void, but He's faithful to accomplish that which He sent to accomplish, and you know, it it was a it was a rough minute for the prophets last year, wasn't it? But you know what? I do not despise prophesying, because I will not put out the Spirit's fire. And I want to tell you, I believe God's fire is here this weekend, and I'm encouraged about the prophetic and just hearing what God is doing with you guys. Last week, I was at another school called the Global School of the Supernatural, with uh, someone who's your spiritual grandfather, if you don't know him, Randy Clark, uh, the the catalyst for the Toronto Revival, and... I taught at Randy school from the first year. I think it was 2004 he started his school. And I started teaching there that year. And in 2010, I met him. at a uh, conference called The Voice of the Prophets and he had me come in as one of the speakers. I had never met him even though I had taught at his school and he was reminding me as I was sitting there um, in 2010 he looked at me and he said, what do you know about me? I'm like, you're Randy Clark. You started the Toronto Revival. I mean you have a school that I teach at. He goes, what else do you know? I said, that's pretty much it. He said, well, I just ask you that in case you get a word for me. And uh, I said, well, I don't have one for you. (laughs) But after I talked, my session, that afternoon session, I looked at him and I say, Randy, I didn't have a word for you, but I see you called, being called Dr. Randy Clark. And I see you raising up um, supernatural healers that have their doctoral degree in healing deliverance. And, I, and, you know, Randy told me after that session, he said, I just told my staff for three years, I've been thinking about getting my doctorate and i said i'm not going to do it it's going to take too much time and he said i met with them after your session and said forget what i said i'm getting my doctorate and he told me yes last week he said they have graduated over 120 People in their ministry doctorates, in deliverance ministry, in prophetic ministry, in raising the dead. I'm telling you that we live in a day where I believe you're going to see the gifts of the Spirit taught on medical school campuses. You're going to see Bible believing healing taught as a a form of healing at Harvard Medical School, a Yale Medical School. Why? Because I believe this is a time where God is making a distinction between light and darkness, and it's time for the church to arise. Amen? Speaking of light, I'm going to bring my wife up here to introduce you. This is my wife, Kimberly, and she has something that she wants to share with you.
1: Hey, guys. So listen, I got to stay home year after year after year after year, which was awesome. But this year, I got to come and meet all of you. And I am so, so happy to be here. So you guys can give a big clap for me because I'm happy to be here with you. (laughs) Clap for you guys. And so I just want to thank you guys for having us. It is absolutely wonderful. A lot of you probably don't know, but we actually started out Um, My husband and I worked together within children's ministry and in youth ministry when we were like still teenagers, right? And I won't tell you who was the boss in children's, but he was the boss in the youth. And then we had years and years with youth. So coming into this place and seeing so many young faces is so exciting. It's so crazy and so wild because in Connecticut, we are, so many people have masks on their face. So I can actually see your, your noses and your mouths. <laughs> it's so exciting. And just to see you guys are fired up for God. And I, I just was asking God what, what he might want me to share just for a quick second. And the verse that just jumped into my spirit was Jeremiah 33.3. 3. And all of you ministry students may know this. I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And so you guys are in a great place. To call out to the Lord. He's going to answer you and He is going to show you some things that you've not known before. And even tonight when we were in the worship, there was this, there was such a, there was such a strong sense of, I think at one point we were singing out the faith, right? We were singing faith. And I feel like God is gonna give you, those of you maybe who say, I, I kind of want that, but I'm not sure how to go about it. I feel like even tonight, God deposited a faith seed inside of you. And that even even as um, pastor's wife, as she was up here, I just thought this was beautiful because so many of us feel like, but I can't really like, I see them like I see my husband standing right here. But God is giving, I love this, eyes in your belly. I'm not gonna forget that, eyes in your belly. I love that. I just think that's so good because guys, we don't see the same way that we see in the natural. We're seeing with our spirit eyes and God is going to give you the ability and if you're if you're hungering for that and you're saying God I want to see you I was praying it down here I want to see God more I want to know him more I want to be able to see him and when I get a when I have my eyes closed and I get a little glimpse of Jesus face I get so excited because I'm not naturally a seer like my husband I tend to be more of a healer hearer a uh, healer too but I guess but a hearer and a feeler uh, and and so when I see a little picture I get so excited I'm just like, oh, yes, God, show me more, show me more. So there's something about the show me more. You guys, all you have to do is call. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is say, God, like, I want to know. I want to know you more. And he is here. And, I, and it's beyond what we're doing right here. It's when you go home. It's when you're driving in your car. It's when you're in your bedroom. It's when you're cooking. Ask God to show you. He wants to show you himself. Man, thanks, babe.
0: Thanks, babe. And I'm clapping that you're here with me. And she's, um, that was my second ministry was being her assistant in children's ministry. My first ministry is my father-in-law, who was the pastor, made me shake hands with everybody outside of the church. It was the hardest job I've ever done in ministry. 120 people in the church. And he said, if you want to make it in ministry, you need to learn how to talk to people. So I want you to stand out in front because I was super shy and he, he made me stand out in front of the church and shake everybody's hands. I said, I'll do it, but I won't talk to them. All right. I'll shake their hands. And, and that was still as the hardest thing I've ever done in ministry. But uh, then I graduated to be my wife's assistant. So that's really awesome. So, hey, look, you guys that are greeters, you never know what God wants to do. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. (laughs) Like, look, I'm still a doorkeeper in the house of God. I just want to open up the door for people to come in to the presence of God. Well, um, my wife is super prophetic. She just, uh, she didn't know what I was going to talk about. We are going to talk about Jeremiah today. And they told me that these... Uh, scriptures won't be able to be on the screen. So if you have your phone or something, just open up to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to get there uh, in just a second. But I have a super, I'm excited about the word I have for you tonight. And I'm excited about the word, the, the word that I know that I have for you, I'm excited about the word that I don't know that I have, I'm even more excited about, because there's always more. So I'm really excited about what I know I'm going to say, but I think God's more excited about what I don't know, and I'm actually excited about it, too. Say, So God will show you great and mighty things you do not know. The title of this message tonight is called Surprise, Attack, Supernatural Victory, and Spiritual Reformers. That's a long title, isn't it? But I heard the Lord say, the devil had planned a surprise attack for you, but God had res- had resulted in a supernatural victory and God out of it is going to release spiritual reformers. I've never preached this message before, so I'm just making it up literally during worship and, and I think it's hopefully going to be good. Otherwise, come back tomorrow for class and we'll see how it goes. But I think it's going to be good. I, I feel like... There are some things that happened. By the way, if you hear my my voice right now, it's because I preached nine times last week and I did get a little bit of a head cold, but I don't have the virus. I had it in November. Have the antibodies. Got tested last week just in case because everybody in Connecticut. Well, it's the law, but I'll be honest with you, if I go anywhere, i got to come back and get tested again. So they're making a lot of money off me this this year. But I'm good, got my tea. We're going to go. Uh, Jeremiah chapter twelve, I want you to start here, and i want to I want to say to you that there are some things that the enemy did last year, that you didn't expect, but you were prepared for it. What he thought was a surprise attack that would take you out was actually a spiritual victory, a supernatural victory that God had in store for you. And it's releasing you to be a spiritual reformer in your generation. And I believe this church is a church called to raise up not just another church or another worship movement. I believe you're called to be reformers. I believe, yes, you're called to be a worship movement, but I believe you're called to be a reformational worship movement. I believe you're called to be a church, but I believe you're called to be a reformational church. And what do I, what do I mean by that? Reformations happen after things are dismantled. Reformations happen after things are destroyed. Reformations happen after something happens. That's why it's called a reformation, because after what was formed has been deformed, it needs to be reformed. And this is the place that Jeremiah has his ministry at a place where he's prophesying reformation before the destruction, and people don't like people to, to talk about Reformation when they like what they have already. Because sometimes we become comfortable in something that's already being dismantled. And we're thinking, we just want anybody want to get back to the new normal? That's what everybody says. We want to get back to the new normal. Remember that back last March, a year ago, when everybody was preaching the same sermon The new normal is coming, right? And what we kept saying, the new normal, we didn't realize, but what we were really saying is, I want a new constant. I want something that I can count on that's going to happen. I want two plus two to equal four again. And the new normal is not a new constant. The new normal is constant change. The new normal is constantly adapting. The new normal is constantly saying, Lord, what now? And I believe that, God has allowed us to come to this moment so that we can be ready for the moments that are about to come. And so listen to what this says, Jeremiah chapter 12, verse five through seven. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses or how will you race with horses? Let me just say that. Listen to that right there. There are some of us who ran last year with men on foot and got tired out. But God says, you're called to race with horses. You're called to run faster than that. And so he says, all, he goes on and says, and if the land of peace in which you trusted wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? I'm gonna explain that to you. For even your brothers in the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called a multitude after you. Do not believe them even though they speak smooth words to you. Here's what happened to me last year. I was, um, I was navigating the shutdown pretty good. We had reformed our ministry. We we're doing our discipleship and our equipping online. And, and we believe we are reaching the new normal. And then uh, I was out taking a motorcycle ride in May, just a nice Sunday afternoon on some country roads on my Harley. And because, you know, that's the kingdom. Okay? Motorcycles are part of the kingdom. You have some called victories, right? And I think Harleys are in heaven as well. So... I don't know what happened. I actually don't remember because I lost two or three hours of my life. I don't remember. I was going on a country road around a little curve. I must have went a little wide, hit sand. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't user error. It was that they left the roads dirty from the winter because in the winter in the north, they put sand on the roads because we have snow. Well, so do you apparently as well, but, but we know how to drive in it. Anyway, we just don't know how to drive in the sand after the snow. And so I woke up three hours later in the hospital. I didn't know how I had gotten there. And the first thing I remember was a voice behind me and it was a nurse saying, sir, where are you from? What country are you from? And I was, I think already medicated thank the Lord for that. (laughs) And I said to her, oh, that's not another language. That's my heavenly prayer language. I'm a Christian. (laughs) To which she said nothing. And in fact, no one said anything in the room. The silence was deafening. I think there were a few crickets in the corner that were chirping and uh, it wasn't a really great time to preach the gospel. So I just decided, well, I just better shut up. So I, I didn't go on with my explanation about my heavenly prayer language, but a couple hours later, they took me up to the seventh floor. I had, They found out that I had a few crack ribs and in the head and some stuff with my brain that they're not sure if it was normal or not. But I said, ah, my brain wasn't normal before anyway, so that's okay. And uh, so the nurse came in to sort of just take my information to see how I was doing, and she's writing... Uh, down the information in her computer and her voice sounded familiar to me. So I said, excuse me, your voice sounds really familiar. Would you happen to be one of the nurses that was downstairs? And she said, yes, sir, I was. And I said, would you happen to be the nurse that asked me if I was from another country? And she didn't answer that question. In fact, what she said was, sir, sometimes people say strange things when they're on medicine. To which I said, no, I say strange things without medicine. So I don't need medicine to say. And so I told her I'm a follower of Jesus and that Jesus talks to me and he likes to tell me what people, what he wants to tell people. To which she said, that's nice, sir. Still thinking I was over medicated, which I probably was, but it was probably helping me preach the gospel better. (laughs) I said to her, do you have an eight year old daughter? She said, as a matter of fact, I do. I said, does she draw cartoon characters a lot? Because I see her drawing cartoon characters a lot. And she said, sir, that's very strange, but yes, she does. And I said, well, God wants me to tell you, she's not just an artist, but she's a musician, and she took piano lessons, and she stopped playing the piano because the teacher was too hard on her, but her greatest joy is to play the piano and sing, and it's God's greatest joy when he hears her. To which she just wept, and within the next minute, I led her to Jesus. (laughs) Which tells us two things. Man, if you're medicated, it makes you a better evangelist. I'm just saying, whatever those drugs are, let's bring in the harvest. But (laughs) the second thing is, is that God has put something inside of you for the battle that you're in. And what is inside of you is greater than what's around you. You see, there are many things that came out of my mouth in 2020 that I won't tell you from this platform, but I will say this at my weakest moment, what was inside of me was ba, sata ba 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 shaka. And whenever someone heard me speak in a language they didn't understand, God gave me a moment to explain to them how much God loves them. And I want to tell you, whatever battle you've been through, whatever battle you've experienced, what's inside of you is greater than what's around you. And sometimes we're in a battle and it's actually greater than we think. And if you look at this battle that Jeremiah is in, just go back one chapter to Jeremiah chapter 11. I have read this scripture many times, but i never seen this before. It says this, In verse 18 to 20, because the Lord revealed their plot to me, so they were plotting against him. That's why he said, God, I'm I'm tired of this. I want out of this. I don't like this prophetic stuff. I don't like pastoring. I don't like being a voice for you. I'm tired of this. Can I just have a normal job? Like, can I just be an accountant? You know, can I do something normal? And, And so what happens is, God reveals the plot. Because the Lord revealed their plot to me, I knew it for that time. He showed me what they were doing. I had been a, like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not realize that they had plotted against me. It was a surprise attack. Saying, let us destroy the tree and its fruit. It's very important. Let us destroy the tree and its fruit. You see, the devil doesn't want to just steal your harvest. He wants to destroy your root. He wants, to, he wants to take you out from the land of the living. He wants to make sure you don't have a legacy. He wants to take away the plan and the purpose of God in your life. He doesn't just want to take your fruit. He wants to go to the root and pull it up. He's a thief. That's all he knows how to do. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the good news is God comes to give life and life to the full. He said, let us cut him off from the land of the living that his name shall be remembered no more. Jeremiah didn't have any kids. In fact, God had spoken to him, don't get married and don't have kids because he knew the plot against him. Basically what they were saying, look, we hate you so much and we hate your words so much and we hate your ministry so much. If you had kids, we would kill them too. We would destroy your fruit and the root and we would make sure you wouldn't have a legacy. Oh, this is a plot of the enemy, but guess what? He didn't have kids. But what happens with Jeremiah is, that God takes this and turns this surprise attack around and he gives them a supernatural victory. And I'm going to fast forward you a little bit into what happens with Jeremiah. But Jeremiah in his battle, is there's a couple of things that happen to him. He's, he's thrown into a pit he's actually all of his prophetic words that he writes out are burned he is told he's he's gossiped about he's that he's crazy he's there's other prophets that came against him and accusations came against him from his own community from the people closest to him and what happens is when the when the enemy wants to destroy you from the land of the living he'll use what's inside of you he use what's around you he use what's closest to you but the The good news is this, is that when you don't let men wear you out, you get to run with horses. And Jeremiah prophesies the restoration and the destruction. He prophesies the restoration of Jerusalem, but he doesn't just prophesy restoration. He prophesies reformers because it's young men like Daniel who got a hold of his prophecies of restoration. And while Daniel's in Babylon, Daniel is praying. He's opening up his window three times a day when the government passed laws that you have to wear masks, excuse me, that you can't pray anymore. He opened his windows three times. What happens when the government passes laws that go against God's plan? You pray. You look toward your promise. What did Daniel do? He didn't didn't protest the king. He didn't slam him on social media? What did he do? He opened his window and he looked toward Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem? Jerusalem's the promise. He looked toward the promise and he prayed. What if the church, instead of protesting, looked toward the promise and prayed? What if we open the window and look toward the promise and pray? God is raising up a new reformation of prayer in the day that we live in. He's raising up the Jeremiahs, or I mean, the Daniels that would pray to the promise, and He's raising up the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The one, whenever the government sets up idols that we're supposed to worship, won't bow their knee to it. In fact, they'll say, we'll even burn for this. And Jesus will go with us into the fiery furnace and burn. And because they were allowed to go through that persecution, because they went through it, they, these were the people that will stand by morality when immorality has become normal. This is when they said, we're, we're not going to bow our knee to adultery. We're not going to bow our knee to sex before marriage. We're not going to bow our knee to the God of mammon. We're not going to bow our knee to fame and fortune. We aren't going to do it. And we'll go through whatever happens because Jesus will go through it with us. And when we come out, we won't even smell like smoke. These are the reformers that came out of the surprise attack that came against Jeremiah. And I want to tell you the things that the enemy has planned a surprise attacks for you. God has prepared a supernatural victory, but God is releasing supernatural reformers, spiritual reformers. I think some of you, the enemy planned to take you out last year, but he missed. <laughs> I think some of you, he wanted to get you in that pit, like Jeremiah was deep down in the mud and he had a moment He had a moment. He had a Bruce Almighty moment. Everybody see that movie with Jim Carrey? (laughs) Oh, smite me, almighty smiter. You know, sometimes whenever we're waiting for the promise, what the enemy tries to do is he tries to project on us what he feels. Do you ever go through a moment when you want to share your faith, but you're gripped with fear? Like what? Now... Here's the here's way you can get over it. Take some medicine. <laughs> you knew it was coming, didn't you? <laughs> do, you, do, you ever, do you ever like go to write that paper in school like to stand your moral ground and you're like, you have that moment of fear? Do you know what that is? That's the fear that the devil has of you releasing what's on the inside of you. <laughs> he... he he feels fear when you discover who you are. He feels fear whenever you stand up for morality. He feels fear. Do you know what, this, what accusation does when someone is walking in a spirit of accusation? They project what they're feeling onto you. When someone can't face their own feelings, they project it onto you. It's, this, it's a psychological thing, but it's a human nature thing. It's, it's actually what the devil does. Do you know that the devil was rejected from the beginning, thrown out of heaven because he wanted to be like God? And so what did he project onto Adam and Eve? If you eat of the tree, you can be like God. Do you ever get into a battle and you feel like you're tired? The Bible says, don't become weary in well-doing. I happen to believe that in the moment of battle, when you don't give, when you do, do you ever hear the song, um, this is how I fight my battles? I don't remember. Is that elevation worship? What is that? Sorry. Just, that's my, that's my Northeast sarcasm. When you're, when you're weary and you do that, guess what? That wears out the devil. And sometimes when you're in the middle of the battle, you're feeling weary. You need to realize the devil's trying to project his tiredness on you. He thinks he's wearing you down, but you're wearing him out with your praise. He thinks he's wearing you down with his pushing, but you're wearing him down with your praise. He thinks he's wearing you down with your warfare, but you're wearing him down with your worship. I'm just saying that the devil is getting tired of fighting you guys. So get ready. <laughs> you're about to have a release of spiritual reformers in your day. I believe it. I believe it all in my heart. You know, <clears throat> sometimes the preparation that God brings us through in our life actually can bring us to moments where we come to the end of ourself. It's important that we come. Jeremiah had to come to the end of himself. He literally did. He came. Elijah came to the end of himself. And that's when God released a new generation. And many times we have to come to the end of ourself because the Bible doesn't say, in your strength, my strength is made perfect. It says, my strength is made perfect in your... It says, let the weak say I am... And so what happens is when we get to the end of our strength, that's when supernatural strength comes into us. In 2004, I was, I was starting to do what I'm doing and, and ministering the prophetic. And and that's sort of what I'm known for. It's what I'm passionate about, even though I'm, I'm not just a one-trick pony. But I, I, love, I love I tell people I have the greatest job in the world. I get to go around the world, tell people what Jesus thinks about them, and then I go home to a hot wife. I mean, come on. <laughs> the hot wife part of it is a bonus, right? So in 2004, I was in a... Um, <clears throat> in a church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And uh, I was asked, it was a church with five campuses and they asked me to come and do prophetic ministry on all uh, three out of their five campuses for uh, three days. And then the fourth day we'd meet at the main campus. And so we did that. And, it, and I was about the third night of doing this and I was I prophesied at the end of the, at the, at the fourth service, the pastor got up and said, I have, now you're going to realize how long ago this is. Do you guys know what cassette tapes are? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was a little worried about that. <laughs> he held up a cassette tape. He said, we have 500 individual cassette tapes of Bob of prophecies that Bob gave over people. So I had prophesied over 500 people. I had talked to 500 people. Like I used way more words than I usually... I don't think I talked for like a week to my wife after that because he used up all my words. And uh, so... In the third night of that, I was in my hotel room and I was super tired. My voice was wearing out. And and I said, God, forgive me if I'm doing this on my own strength. Because I don't want to do this in my own strength. I want to do this with your strength. I need your help. And so please forgive me if I'm just trying to do this on my own natural strength. And I went to sleep. That next morning, I was supposed to have um, breakfast with a pastor. He was traveling for about two hours to just... Have a meeting with me for breakfast. And I assumed he just wanted to be encouraged. Maybe God would give me something for him. And he sat down to breakfast and he said, Hey, I really needed to hear from God. And I, I wanted to meet with you to see if God might show you something, but God showed me something for you. Can I share it with you? I said, sure. He goes, well, I saw you on a, a weightlifting bench. He said, I saw you like getting ready to bench press and you got it halfway up. And you were struggling to get it all the way up. And God was behind you spotting. And I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. God's going to come behind and lift it up, right? Let me finish the word right now. God's going to lift it up. He goes, and God came behind you and put heavier weights on. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, can I have another prophecy, please? Can I? <clears throat> and he said, and every time God put heavier weights on you, you actually got stronger and you lifted it higher. And I'm like, oh, I got it. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. What did God say to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, you've been running with men on foot. I've called you to run with the horses. What is making you weary right now is preparing you for the warfare you're about to experience and you'll be overcoming it. Okay. So just a couple weeks after this set of meetings, I went to, um, I went back to my home church. It was a Wednesday night. I was teaching a Bible study and we, I was actually teaching on the prophetic and a woman came up to me at the end of the meeting and she said, you know, I've never felt the spirit the way I felt the spirit in this church tonight. Would you come to my church? And would you bring this spirit to my church? And I said, I'd love to, you know, I was really hungry to just travel. And I was booking at that time about three months in advance. And so I introduced her to my wife who at the time was uh, doing our booking and she wrote down the information and she gave it to me. And I came across it about a week later and I looked at the name of this church and it was a very strange name of a church. And I don't usually Google churches when I go, but I Googled it. And um, it was actually a spiritist new age church. Yeah, you say right on now. But in 2004, we were all saying like, oh no, like that's scary stuff for us, right? That was cutting edge stuff. And In 2004, I didn't say, oh, right on. I said, oh God, <laughs> is this a trap? Is this a plan of the enemy to lure me in and you know, beat me up? And, and I said to God this, I said, God, I don't know if I should go or not. And God doesn't always answer me right away when I talk to him, but he immediately answered me and said, well, I don't know if you're going, but I'm going. I'm like, okay, well, I can't let God go alone. I mean, I don't want him to, you know. uh, He doesn't know what he's doing. He hasn't hasn't been on the earth for 2,000 years. I mean, you know, he doesn't even know what skinny jeans are. What in the world? So, so I, I decide to go, and... I went and I talked to them about the Holy Spirit and I prayed, actually, i probably taught something that wasn't that great, but I prayed for a few people. And what happened was, at the end I had three words of knowledge for healing. One of them was for a lady that had lower back nerve damage. And I said, there's someone here, you have lower back nerve damage, it was caused by an accident, and the lady in the second row, she didn't do like what we do, it was like, yay, it's me. She looked at her friend and said, did you tell them? And I was, I'm like, I'm sitting right here, ma'am. I can hear you. (laughs) And so I asked her to come up and I prayed in Jesus' name and she was completely healed. It was really cool. I mean, she like jumped up and down. They didn't do all the stuff that we do, like, you know, run around and wave hankies. Well, that's not your church. That's my church. And, but the leaders came up to me afterwards and they said, "Um, we don't believe Jesus is who you say he is. But we brought in a crystal healer two weeks ago to pray for that specific lady and nothing happened. Last week, we brought in a third degree Reiki healer to pray for that lady and nothing happened. You prayed in the name of Jesus and now she's healed. You're called to run with the horses. You see, You've run with men on foot, and it's worn you out, but it's prepared you to race with the horses. Because God's not called you to be in the land of peace. He said you were weary in the land of peace, but I've called you to go upon the floodplains among the thickets of the Jordan River. What is that? The darkest place you want to be. The Jordan River is not where you want to go. The Jordan River is where Elisha said to Naaman, "Go dip in the Jordan River," and he was he was offended because the Jordan River was not a place that a person of reputation would go but God is sending people who will make themselves of no reputation to the places that nobody wants to go so that when you go into the Jordan like Jesus the heavens open and the dove descends on you and a voice comes out and said this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased God's sending some of you to the Jordan where people are afraid to go Jordan to the place where people that have no reputation would go but when you go there guess what not only do you get to die, but the heavens open and the angel, the, the dove descends on you, the Holy Spirit descends on you. And so this, these leaders stood around me and they said, We don't know how you did that, but can you come back and teach us how to do that? And so I said, Jesus? He said, Yep. I said, Okay, let's do it. A month later, I came back and did a seminar called The Three Dimensions of Divine Healing. Ooh. Body, soul, and spirit. And we talked about physical healing, soul healing, and spiritual healing, salvation. And in a New Age church in Connecticut, 25 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that God is raising up reformers? Reformers that maybe have been worn out by what the people they were walking with, but they're called to run with things nobody else wants to run with. Maybe they've been worn out by the family that they were living with, but they've been called to bring people that, are the, that are, have the father that's the devil and bring them into the kingdom of God and make the God the father, their father. I want to tell you that I believe that God is raising you up for a time like this to bring people from darkness and into light. And when you, when you start to run with the horses, guess what happens is that the people that you thought were your enemies aren't your enemies. And that's one of the things in the battle that's the first thing that the devil tries to do is he wants you to put a face on your enemy. Because as soon as you put a face on your enemy, you start to wage war in the natural So if your parents are your enemy, or your neighbor is your enemy, or the person of a different color is your enemy, or the person of a different political party is your enemy, or the person in another church is your enemy, if the person who betrayed you is your enemy, or the person who beat you up is your enemy, guess what? You just lost the battle because the enemy is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to project his face on someone else, so then you war against what God has called you to bring into the kingdom of light. Proverbs says that when a man's ways, when a woman's ways are pleasing to the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. And so if you're going to win this war, don't put a face on your enemy. Turn to someone and say, don't put a face on your enemy. Because as soon as you do, you limit the victory that God wants to give you. I was telling that story of going to this New Age church. Um, I was telling it at a pastor's conference in 2005 and a pastor came up to me and said, you know, we have the largest New Age festival, one of the largest in the country, every May. 10,000 people gather in our city in Idaho, and they have this wellness festival, and the Dalai Lama's been there, and he named several other names, and he said, next year, I would love for you to come, and I would love for you to do a conference in our church the same time they're doing their conference, because the atmosphere in the city is so dark, we can bring a different atmosphere, and, and normally I would just say, yeah, that's a great idea. But I had this idea. Do you ever have an idea? And then when you say it, you're like, oh, God just tricked me into his will. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're like this as sometimes leaders. We have these great visions and we blurt them out. And then we go, oh, no, now I got to do all that work to make this happen. Right. And so I said to him, so what you're saying is we have a party here where well, the devil's having his party here. But what I would suggest to you is we take our party and we crash the devil's party. And he said to me, what do you mean? I said, why don't we go to that conference? He said, how will we do that? I said, I have no idea. So I Googled it. Because if you don't know, ask the Lord and then Google it. Unless you're looking for words of knowledge, don't Google it. That's not a good idea. So I looked up the conference and I found out that they had healing rooms. Healing rooms. And they had 100 slots for healers. And I thought, well, I'm a healer. So, I wrote to the director of the conference and I said, I would love to come and bring a team to your healing rooms. How can I do that? I thought it would take a week for her to get back to me. Five minutes later, I got an email. What kind of healing do you practice? I didn't know what to answer her, so I just wrote the truth. I practice an ancient Hebrew form of healing, it's just the truth. And here's some of the results that we've had. And she wrote back to me and said, yes, please come. We really need you. And I wanted to write back, yeah, more than you know. But I just said, thank you very much. And we gathered the money. We trained the team. We took 15 people out to our first time ever doing this. I think it was 2005 or 2006. I can't remember exactly when. And and, um, something happened. The first hour we were there, uh, I actually got to speak prophetically to a lady. And she gave her life to Jesus. Um, the director of the conference came over to meet us with a videographer, and one of our group had a word for the videographer about God wanting to help him with his emotions, and he said, yeah, I really need to be set free from anger. I have a lot of anger problems. And they said, well, sit down here. This is our cleansing chair. And so... He sat down and he got delivered from anger. He literally said it went out of his left arm. It was the best thing. It was like, it was like if you ever watched that turtle on Nemo. It was like whoa. And then it was like whoa. And then it went whoa. It's exactly like that. We have it on video. It's perfect. <laughs> And, and about an hour after this, we were having such good results that we thought, this is incredible. Like, God's favor's on us. And this lady comes up to me, and she comes up to her table. She said, are you in charge here? I said, well, my name's Bob. I'm the leader of this group. And she said, well, I'm a medium. And she put it out her hand like that. And I thought, well, okay, I know what a medium is, you know, channel spirits. But I thought it was funny that she was trying to intimidate me with the word medium. So I put my hand out and said, I'm an extra large. Nice to meet you. And I'm from Philly, you know, Um, in Philly, our love language is sarcasm. So I'm like, all (laughs) right, no, I didn't do I didn't do that. That's, that's the Italian part of Philly. That's not me. Hopefully that's not a swear. I don't know what that is. Hopefully that's not a bad thing to do. Anyway, I'll just go over away from the camera and do it over here. If you're a see or unsee that. Okay, so So, I said, nice to meet you. I said, we're here to pray for people in the name of Jesus. Do you need prayer for anything? And she said, no, I don't need prayer. She was like, I'm a medium. I don't need prayer. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I said, if you need prayer later on, let me know. And we thought things were going well, till a few minutes later, it just got weird. It just got strange. Like, I can't tell you. You know if you feel like you've ever got slimed? Like... You talk to someone, and just after the conversation, you need to take a shower or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was like that. Like, And and what was worse was the team that I brought with me kind of looked at me like it was my fault. So like, what's going on? Nobody's coming to the table. And, and they looked at me like, do you have a secret sin you want to tell us about? <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, everything was fine when I left. I don't know. And so there was really nowhere to go. There wasn't like worship team with us, you know. I didn't have like intercessors, well, we had some intercessors that were walking around, but I, I didn't know what to do. So I went out to the parking lot to pray. And I walked out and I said, Lord, what what's going on? And the Lord spoke to me so clearly, he said, There's nothing going on. I said, Well I said, What's wrong? That's what I said, what's wrong? Are we not supposed to be here? What's wrong? He said, There's nothing wrong. Someone just put a curse on you. It's literally how the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I'm like, what's wrong, Lord? He says, nothing. You just gotta curse. That's all. And I'm like, well, what? What? There's nothing wrong. I'm cursed. And so what do you do when you get it's like you feel cursed? You want to like get it off of you. Like, ew, ooh, 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 ooh. You know, so I was like, speak in tongues. If someone curses you, you speak in tongues. And it didn't seem to work, so I tried. Okay, I'm gonna be very sensitive here, but I have these special tongues, I call them samurai tongues when I'm really in warfare, it's like, (laughs) now I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe it is a form of spiritual warfare. But at that moment, I wasn't speaking in tongues out of faith. I was speaking in tongues out of fear. So the problem wasn't what I was praying. The problem was where I was praying from. You get it? And so I felt like the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, wait, stop. And I said, I'm I'm doing warfare right now. Don't stop me. And if God's called you to war that way, I'm not making fun of it. Believe me. I speak in tongues every day of my life. I believe in it. I did it before I came here. I did it while I was here. So I believe in it. But you have to, it's the truth that sets you free, not a method of prayer. And I wasn't praying with the truth. I was praying out of fear. And so the Lord said to me, you can't be cursed. You're blessed. Now I want to speak in tongues. Because now I have the truth. Now I'm praying with the truth that I'm blessed. Shaka You can't curse because I'm blessed. Ha shaka I would like to tell you I did that, but I didn't. Because what came to my mind was something that we used to say when we were kids, if we were in a fight with one another, and I called someone a name which might have been my sister, perhaps, in, an, in a hypothetical sort of story. And she might have hypothetically said to me, well, I'm rubber and you're glue and what you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Which is something you would say when you're a kid. It's not normally something you would pray, but I found myself praying it, devil, I'm rubber and you're glue. And what you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. And then I said, in Jesus' name, amen. Because you know, you gotta make it legal, you know what That's the second thing. Don't put a face on your enemy, but you need to put back on the devil what he's projecting on you. (laughs) You see, because the devil will say, you're a loser, and you have to look back at him and I'm not a loser. You are the one who was cast out of heaven. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The devil will say, you know, nobody likes you. You say, "How oh, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm loved by everyone. I'm my father. Oh, father loved me since the foundation of the world. I was chosen in him to be holy and blameless in his sight, predestined to be loved. I was loved before you said I was hated. You put back on him what he wants to project on you. And so I said, devil, I'm rubber. I got so anointed, I got a little T.D. Jakes. Devil, I'm rubber talk to the rubble hand. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And it's, what happened was I began to believe it because I'm blessed. I can't be cursed. And I'm just saying there's sometimes that we go through things. You see, Jeremiah was in the pit and he got to a place where what they were projecting on him, he started to believe about himself, but he had to get up out of the pit and prophesy again. He had to get up I'm telling you, some of you need to get up out of the pit and prophesy again. You need to get up out of the pit and pray for the sick again. You need to get up out of the pit and lay hands and cast out devils again. Why? Because we did something God told us to do and what we thought would happen didn't work. What do you do when what God told you to do doesn't work? You keep doing it. You keep doing it. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's the definition of faith as well. So I laid hands on the sick and they didn't recover. Well, lay hands on them again. I prayed and nothing happened. Pray again. I prophesied and I didn't feel like I got anything. Prophesy again. Why? Because you got to get out of your pit and do what God said to do again. And that's what Jeremiah had to do. And it wasn't until he got out of his pit. It wasn't until he stopped allowing the accusations of the enemy make him believe something about him that was true of the enemy. He didn't put a face on his enemy, but he didn't let the enemy project on him what the enemy was feeling. When he did, he began to prophesy. After 70 years, you will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle. After 70 years, I will bring you back to a land flowing with milk and honey. He began to prophesy that it was in that moment, after he got out of the pit, that he said, for I know the plan that I have for you, says the Lord, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. It was after that, he said, when you go into Babylon, pray for the prosperity of that city, for if that city is blessed, you will be blessed. What do we do when we're under the rule of people that are unjust to us? We Pray for the prosperity of our leaders because if that city is blessed, we will be blessed. What do you do when you're put in a prison? You build houses in captivity because when you build in captivity, you become reformers of a city and you are called to be reformers. And so, whenever the enemy puts something on you, you don't let, it, let him project on you, you give it back to him. You say, Devil, I'm rubber. Your glue, what you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. And when you do that, you feel a lot happier. And so I went inside back to this meeting, and the team was praying for people. People were coming back to the booth, and they, they said, What did you do? Whatever you did out there worked. And I wanted to tell them something like, oh, I flew into the third heavens, and I saw an angel with a flaming sword and he handed me the sword and he said, son of man. And I don't know what he would say after that because if that happened, I would just be like, oh, that's amazing enough. I didn't have the heart to tell him (laughs) what I had prayed. And so I said, "Ah, I just prayed. But an hour later, something happened. Miss Medium came back. She looked at me and she said, I've been looking for you. I said, I've been right here, what can I do for you? She said, I need you to pray. I said, why do you need prayer? She said, because for the last hour, my left shoulder has been frozen in place and I can't move it. And I said, oh, you're glue. Now you have to understand, I didn't curse her. I just said, I can't be cursed. And so it had to go somewhere. But God turns the curse into a blessing. And if you bless those who curse you, I said, I'd be happy to pray for you. I prayed and she was healed. She went back to her booth. In fact, I prophesied to her. I said, tonight you're going to have a dream. And I said, you usually dream in black and white, but tonight is going to be in full color. And she goes, I do dream in black and white. I can't wait to go home and dream in color. She came back with a dream from God the next day in full color. Because God turns every curse into a blessing. What if God wants to use you to take the people who threw you in a pit to prophesy them as reformers? What if God wants to use you to use the people that oppressed you to make them overcomers? What if God wants to use you to take the people that projected on you failure to prophesy that they will fulfill their destiny? I want to tell you, that's where you're called to be. And so... At the end of the week, we went to say goodbye to her. And, and uh, she said, how was your week? I said, it was so good. We had such a good time. She said, I had a rough week. She said, this is my biggest money-making week of the year. And I didn't make hardly any money. Because I, for some reason, I was just blocked. I couldn't get anything. I couldn't channel anything. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how that could have happened. And um, But everybody charges there because this is what they do for a living. And we didn't actually want to charge. So we didn't charge anything until after halfway through the first day, people came to us and got mad at us. They're like, you're taking all our customers because you're not charging. And so we decided just to put a donation thing out there because we didn't want to hurt the people. We didn't want to hurt their finances. That's not why we were there. We are there to demonstrate the love of Jesus. And so we had this bucket of donations that we gave to Miss Medium because God says, when you bless those who curse you, you don't return accusation for accusation or railing for railing. But contrary wise, you return blessing for cursing. You know, I memorized that in the King James Version. That was pretty good. contrary wise, you know you're going back in time when you're saying contrary wise. You see, when you don't project onto people what the enemy wants to project onto you, guess what? you get to project onto them what's inside of you and they begin to reflect it back to you because what's inside of you is greater than what's around you. God's called you to run with horses. Turn to someone and say, you're called to run with horses. You see, I believe the battle you were in was a surprise attack from the enemy. I believe he wanted to destroy not only your fruit, but he wanted to remove your legacy from the land of the living. But what if God is going to use that battle to release the next generation of Daniels, of Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednego? So what happens is, this is very, very interesting. Jeremiah gets out of the pit. And here's what he finds out. All these things that he prophesied, the restoration of Jerusalem, the prosperity of God's people, the destruction of the enemies of God. This is this is an interesting scripture, Isaiah, or excuse me, Jeremiah 36, 27, and 28. Listen to this. Now, after the king had burned the scrolls with the word of the Lord, which Barak had written at the instruction of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah had gotten out of the pit and prophesied, and the king burned every one of his prophecies. What happened next? The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, take yet another scroll and write on it again the words that I spoke. I heard the Lord say this during worship. I'm about to rewrite your scrolls. I'm about to rewrite the scrolls that the enemies burned in your life because the thief comes to steal, but God's about to rewrite your scroll. The thief came to destroy, but God's going to rewrite the scroll. The thief came to kill, but God's going to rewrite the scroll. Someone came to beat you up, but God's going to rewrite the scroll. Someone wanted to throw you in a pit, but God's going to rewrite the scroll. And there's some things in your life that seem to not take place last year because of what the enemy did. But I'm about to tell you, God's about to rewrite the scrolls of your life. You see when Jeremiah was young he was called to prophetic ministry <clears throat> God said Jeremiah you guys know this one right? before you were formed in your mother's womb I I knew you I knew you before you were conceived. I knew you before your daddy got romantic with your mommy. I knew you before you didn't know who your daddy was. It doesn't matter if you knew who your daddy was. It didn't matter if you didn't have a daddy because you had a daddy since before you were formed in your mother's womb. And he said, and I called you from birth to be a prophet to the nations. That means he came out of the womb prophesying. You came out of the womb with purpose. You came out of the womb with destiny. You're not looking for destiny. You were born with destiny. You're not looking for someone to tell you your destiny. You have a daddy, so you have a destiny. And Jeremiah struggled with this concept. And he said, but God, I am only a child. And I have not the words to speak. That's what he said. And God comes back to him. I love what he says at the beginning, because this is how God rewrites your scrolls. When Jeremiah said, I'm only a child, and I have not the words to speak. God said, do not say I am only a child for you shall go to all that I send you to and whatever I command you to do, you shall speak. Do not be afraid for I am with you. But I'm only a child, but I am with you. But I'm just a woman, but I am with you but I don't, I, I, I lived a bad life in the past, but I'm with you. Well, God, I, I'm from Philadelphia, but I'm with you. God, I, I don't know, I don't even have a degree, but I am with you. You see, you wanna say, I am, and he's saying, I am. And his I am is bigger than your I am because you've been worn out running, trying to do something in your human flesh. But he's saying, when I am with you, you can run with the horses. When I am with you, you can do the impossible. And not only does God say that I am with you, but He says, See, I have put my hand on you i have touched your mouth and behold i have remember he said i have not the words and he said i have put my words in your mouth but i don't have the words but i have and you see sometimes we define ourselves by what other people say i am but we don't we need to define ourselves by why he what he says i am sometimes we define ourselves by why what we think we have or we don't have but we have to define ourselves by what he says i have and i'm t- telling you that God's about to rewrite some scrolls tonight. I'm telling you that there are some people here that literally last year, the devil wanted to take you out. Last year, maybe for the last three years, you were in a pit, but God's saying, get out of the pit and prophesy. Maybe You were put in a place where people that were rebellious or the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I want to tell you, God is here that you might have life and life to the full. Can I ask the worship team to come up because I really feel like there's a moment tonight. I want to prophesy this to you. God's rewriting your scrolls. God's rewrite, he has has not forgotten his prophetic words over your life. He's not forgotten his promises over your life. He's rewriting your scrolls. He's rewriting your scrolls. If you feel like this applies to you, I just want you to stand to your feet. It's okay if it doesn't, it's okay if it doesn't. Maybe you're not in the pit, you're not in that moment. It's totally okay. But I wanna tell you, I wanna tell you, God is rewriting your scrolls. Your enemy is not the person who abused you. Don't put a face on your enemy because he's the thief. Maybe you got beat up, but he's rewriting your scroll. Maybe you blew it, but he's rewriting your scroll. Maybe you were mistreated. He's rewriting your scroll. Maybe you made
1: a mistake. He's rewriting your scroll.